Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. Like so many other churches and houses of worship across the world, we've decided to take our weekly service online to comply with various social distancing efforts and stay-at-home orders in light of the recent coronavirus pandemic. Our stream goes live every Sunday at 10 a.m. Be sure to check it out on our website at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. We'd love to have you join us online. Enjoy this message. Good morning, CBC and friends beyond. We have, uh, I think, some people that are uh, not a normal part of our local congregation to check in each week, so it's uh, great to be able to connect with you guys as well. A couple announcements real quick before we uh, get into the Word today. Uh, first, I just want to remind you that, uh, uh, as we've said before, our bills continue on. We want you to be able to continue to give. There's three ways to do that. That'll be up on your screen. The same, All the same methods that we normally use, whether that's uh, direct mail, online, or through, through Stripe uh, via your phone. The only way you can't do it is the box in the back of the room, which the box is technically there, but uh, you probably can't get in here to put money in there. So other than that, everything's cool. And then I did want to mention, as I said last week, we are... Uh, starting to gather a little bit in small groups. And one of those coming up will be uh, next Saturday, August 8th at 9 a.m. We are going to hold our first men's breakfast for several months. And this will be done at, at a home, and it will be outdoors. Uh, so we'll be able to maintain some distance. So check uh, your email for our newsletter to get the address on that. Or if you don't get that for some reason, uh, reach out to me via email or text or call or whatever, and I'll make sure that you get that. But next Saturday morning, uh, some of the guys are going to get together for men's breakfast again, which is, is going to be kind of fun. So uh, with, with that, I don't know about you, I, I feel a little bit like... Uh, you know, I, I think I've lost track. I think this is week 21 uh, that we've not met together and that we've been uh, doing church online. Uh, it's been a long haul. It's a lot longer than I thought it would be. I, I don't know about you, but for me, the first two or three weeks of this whole thing was actually kind of fun. You know, it was like, oh, a little staycation. We're home. I'll, I'll sit around and read. That's it was, it was great. And then, you know, after a few weeks, that kind of wore off. And I'm like, okay, this isn't that much fun anymore. Uh, and then it kind of got old. And now it's really just sort of annoying. And I'm thinking, when is, when is this going to end? Uh, and, and we don't know. But I, I, I start to feel a little bit like this guy, and uh, we're going to put the picture up on the screen. Some of you will recognize that is famous painting called The Scream by a German, uh, German artist named Edward Vo- Edward Munch. And uh, I like that picture because you'll notice he's practicing his social distancing. Uh, there's no one around him. But uh, clearly, whatever it is that he's going through, whether it's COVID or something else, is getting to him. Um, But it's kind of a good representation of sort of our cultural, the the current cultural moment that we're living in. Uh, I was talking to Stephen just a few minutes ago, and it's weird. Uh, It's it's just strange. I I went to the hospital the other day to visit a family member of someone in our church, and I've been to the hospital over the years, I don't know, dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times to visit people. This was the most surreal experience I've ever had. It was really, it was like a scene from some post-apocalyptic movie. Uh, First of all, I was at Emanuel Hospital downtown, 
And it's a big building if you've ever been there. And all of the entrances and doors were locked except one. You could Everybody has to go in and out through one door. When you go in, there's a table uh, with three nurses seated at that table. Uh, it blocks the whole entrance. They're wearing full protective gear. And you, you have to get... Uh, your temperature checked, you have to sign in uh, where you're going, who you're seeing, and what time, and then you have to walk around the table and through this like roped off area just to get in. Uh, and then I'm walking through the hospital and there's literally no one there. I mean, there's patients in rooms and there are some medical people working, but Typically, you go to the hospital, there's a lot of people around, families, friends, whatever, visitors. All of the waiting areas, the common spaces were, were empty. Uh, there's a huge food court in the center of Emanuel, uh, Starbucks and different kiosks there. And there was literally, there was one table, there was two guys in scrubs seated at a table in the middle talking, and the rest of it was empty. There's no one there. It's a very strange experience. And so that's sort of uh, where we're at right now. So last week we talked about hope, and I'm going to further that a little bit today. And I, I kind of want to talk about how do we get from here, where we are right now, all this strange weirdness, to hope? How, how, how do we grab onto hope? Hope is sometimes a vague concept, and we're not sure exactly uh, how to get to hope. Uh, it can be elusive, you know, and I think we have to start with this, ask the question, what do we hope for? What do you hope for today? Do you just hope to live, to survive this thing? Do you hope to not get sick? Uh, do you hope to be able to go back to school or back to work? Do you hope to be able to go on vacation? I've talked to several friends. It's just heartbreaking that had these awesome vacations planned. You know, one of my friends had this family trip to Italy. Their whole family was going to go. It canceled. It canceled. Canceled. Do you, do you hope? Uh, it, it's just what, what is it you hope for? We're, we're really stuck in this sort of in-between state. Uh, theologians have classified this. Uh, Richard Rohr is a, is a theological writer, author, and he calls it a liminal space. And he says this about it. Liminal space, or the place of waiting, is a unique spiritual position where human beings hate to be, but where the biblical God is always leading them. It is when you have left the tried and true but have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. It's when you're out of the way. It's when you're, oh, I'm sorry. It is when you're out of the way. It is when you, you are between your old comfort zone and a possible new answer. If you're not trained in how to hold anxiety, how to live with ambiguity, how to entrust and wait, you will run anything to flee this terrible cloud of unknowing. Liminal space. Anybody feel that way? You want to run? Yeah, I want to. I wish I could get out of this space. Um, I'll say this: the the church historically has been called to occupy that space. We've been called to live and navigate through that kind of a space. Think of even the early disciples after Jesus uh, resurrected and then he appeared to them and then he ascended to heaven. But before he ascended, he said, wait here, the Holy Spirit's going to come. So then he goes and then they're like, okay, but when? The Holy Spirit's coming today, tomorrow, next week. Uh, how long? How long do we wait? What's happening in the in-between time? It's a liminal space. It's the in-between 
As Christians uh, in, in the vineyard, we have a, a, an understanding of the kingdom of God. And it, it's, this shouldn't be that foreign to us because it's a little bit like living in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Um, and so to me, there's, there's an exciting dynamic that goes with that. And, and, and that, that is that in, in this place of, of liminality, of in-between, it's communal, we're together, uh, and, and it's really in that space of that communal liminality that God has a history of doing amazing things. God has moved often historically in those kind of spaces. I'll give you another quote. There's a missiologist named uh, Michael Frost. He, he writes, he's an author that writes about work in the mission field. In his book uh, called Exiles, he says this, when we seek to build community without liminality, without that tension of being in between, all we end up with is the pseudo-community that pervades many churches. So what he's saying is, we need this. We, we, we need this opportunity to be out of where we've been, not quite where we're going, in order that uh, we allow God to move and do something. So my question this morning is, <clears throat> could God be doing something unique in this time? Stephen, we'll take a little break right there. You're going to have to do some editing. <coughs> so let's pray and explore that a little bit. Um, Lord, we just uh, we look to you today. We ask for your presence, uh, your insight, your wisdom, uh, as we navigate uh, uncharted water. We've never been here before. And so we pray that you'd be with us uh, in the midst of all that we're experiencing and going through. Amen. I forgot to tell you guys, I, uh, I, I went full on John Wimber today. I, I thought we got we to gotta liven things up here a little bit, keep things interesting. So I'm going Hawaiian today. I hope you appreciate that. It's what, I'm, it's what I do for you. A um, couple basic things. For, first thing we know this biblically, the church, uh, the Greek word ecclesia, is people. It's not the building. So if you, if you, I don't know if you can tell, but I am currently speaking to you from the room that we normally meet for worship in. Um, but this is not the church. Uh, it's a room. I'm here and Stephen's here. So technically we are the church because we're two or more gathered. But this isn't the church. This is a room. And uh, we're the church. The people are the church. John Wimber used to talk about the church gathered and the church scattered. And right now, the church is scattered, but it hasn't stopped being the church. The fact that we're not together in the same location doesn't mean that we've stopped being the church. We're every bit as much the church of God when we're separate as we are when we're together. All right, so we, we've been forced into this liminal space. Honestly, we don't know... How, how long that's going to last, how long will it be like this? And, and the harder thing, not, not even so much how long will it be like this, but what's next? What is it going to look like after this? Uh, and, and, but that leads me to the question that I really want us to focus on today, which is, what might God do in this time? God isn't limited by liminality. God moves very often in those in-between spaces. When Israel was in the wilderness, they were in-between. They, they were not where they had come from, and they were not yet where they were going. Uh, it was an in-between space, and God met them there. Now, I, I'll qualify this. 
it's not fun. Nobody likes that. Uh, and yet, yeah, God moves in that space. But very often, it's uncomfortable for us. That liminal space feels a little bit like exile. It feels like we've been outcast. Kingdom people, let me say this, have always been defined by exile. That's the nature of living in the kingdom of God. And if anything, I think we should be used to God moving in that in-between space. And so I have expectation that God will meet us and move in the midst of this current situation. Again, I really felt like a word for us today was uh, the church scattered has not stopped being the church. If anything, it's it's so much like the kingdom of God. We talk about the kingdom of God as the now and the not yet. It really, living in the kingdom is living in that in-between space. And this really is representative of that. I think if we can get a hold of that reality, that our current situation is very much like living in the kingdom of God, we can begin then to tap into what might God be saying, what might God be doing uh, in and through and with us in the middle of this time and this place. I'm going to look at uh, two Old Testament books today, the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations, which if you've never read Lamentations, it was also written by Jeremiah. It's directly following it. Uh, in, it's in the, so it's in the prophets, but it's not really a prophetic book. It's, it's, it's literally a book of lament. Uh, and I know if you want to read, I don't know if you have a study Bible, a little bit of history about Jeremiah. Jer- Jeremiah, some people think he called him the weeping prophet. Maybe he was depressed. Maybe he suffered from depression. He was definitely a person who had feelings and, and who uh, understood reality of life in, co- in connection to his relationship with God. And so the book of Lamentations is kind of gut level honesty with God. I mean, maybe, maybe even more so than David in the Psalms. So we're going to start in Jeremiah this morning, and then we're going to read several verses from Lamentations that I think help us understand and describe a little bit of where we are and what's going on right now. Uh, So uh, first of all, those books were written right about the time during the beginning of the exile when Israel was taken captive and were removed to Babylon. So they're living in Babylon. And it was during that time and in that place that Jeremiah prophesied and wrote these books. So, so in exile, uh, the, the Israelites are sort of confronted with how do we live in this space? We're, we, we left our home. Uh, we were going to the promised land. Now we're here. So I want to start uh, with a passage that some of you might be familiar with from Jeremiah 29. Um, but again, uh, well, let me let me just read it. This is again in exile. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. I'm writing this, uh, speaking through Jeremiah to my people in Babylon. And then he says this, build houses and settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there in captivity, increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. That's so profound. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you 
deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So God gives them an understanding of how long they're going to be there. But he tells them to go ahead and live their lives out, even though they're in captivity. Um, Two things. I think that uh, Jeremiah, the Lord through Jeremiah, addresses here that are temptations to the Israelites that might also be uh, temptations to us in our current situation. The first is to completely withdraw from the world. And I don't know about you, um, there's a certain uh, fear that comes in the midst of all this. But in addition to that fear, there's also sort of that thing of just shutting down, just disengage. I, I, I'm just going to go in the house and turn on the AC and lock the door and stay here until whenever. Uh, and I, I think that's very real. It's real for me. I could easily do that. Uh, but I know that we're not supposed to do that. Rather than asking, uh, I mean, I mean, rather than just just lock down. I think we have to ask the question, what is God doing? Where is God moving in the midst of all this? Uh, We can't just settle into this thing and say, okay, we're done. I think we have to say, what's God doing in the midst of our current situation? Um, I, I think there's a parallel between what Israel was experiencing in captivity and what we're experiencing today, and, and it's this, uh, and, and this is where I want to kind of begin to get to the, the point of this message, but there's a temptation to look for hope in all the wrong places, and that's a, a bad country song, um, but it's also a bad idea to look for hope in all the wrong places. You could begin finding yourself thinking things like, well, hey, if... You know, they're, they're talking about a second stimulus check. If I get another stimulus check, we'll be okay for another month or two months. Or uh, if, if they find a vaccine, okay, then we'll be okay. Uh, if, if if I bury my head in the sand and I, I go, no, 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 I can't hear you, then it'll all go away. There's, a, there's a, a, a lot of different things that we could potentially be putting our hope in, but the reality is most of those are looking for simple solutions to complex problems, to be honest. Um, I, I want to say something right now that may not be very popular, okay? But I'm going to say anyway. Uh, I have come to believe that this liminality, this in-between space that we're living in right now is a gift. And, and that we shouldn't avoid it. We should reject the temptation to withdraw, reject the temptation to go, go numb, and, and, and really seriously ask the question, what is God saying and what is God doing right now in this space, in this moment? Not white, I, I, I found myself thinking, what might God do when we come out of this? And I realized that's the wrong question. The question is, what, God, what might God be doing in the midst of this? Lamentations gives us permission. It gives us permission to say, I don't like this. I accept it and I'm going to walk through it Uh, But I don't really like it. I'm going to do a brief uh, survey, uh, just a few few verses out of Lamentations and see if if you can relate. The first verse in Lamentations, 1-1, it opens with this statement. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. 
How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations? I, I mean, is that not a prophetic verse? I think whether you're talking about Jerusalem then or Portland today, it, it's a weird thing. I don't know about you, but just seeing the emptiness of certain places, the, the, the lack of traffic on the freeway, there's just this emptiness that's out there and you wonder what's happening. I don't know if you've felt like that, but there's there can be not only an emptiness, but I think a loneliness in, in the midst of all that. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17 says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. I think some of us feel that way. Uh, you know, we, we forgot what prosperity is. We're not able to work or do what we're normally doing, and we're concerned about possibly what might happen down the road. Uh, been deprived of peace. You may have concern and anxiety, worry. Uh, let me say this. If you've been quarantined for three months with, with small kids at home, you probably are deprived of peace. Uh, you're going a little bit of stir crazy right now. I mean, you've you've run out of craft projects and Dora Explorer videos, and, and you don't know what to do anymore. It's, it's, it's gotten to be a, a frustrating thing. Chapter 5. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. We get our bread at the risk of our lives. I mean, again, a prophetic verse. You go to the store. Again, it's weird. It's surreal. Every place you go in now, it's it's mandated. You have to wear a mask. And you go in the store, and it's bizarre. People are shopping like always, but everybody has these masks on. And it's, it's strange. And people, you can tell some people are a little more uptight than others. And they're trying to distance you. There's always one person I was in uh, Safeway the other day, one defiant person, and they're, they're kind of the my rights person, and they're with no mask on, standing up loud and proud. I'm not wearing a mask, uh, no matter what. I, I, and, you, and you don't want to, you don't engage them. You don't, you don't want to talk to them. You don't want to look at them, because you've seen the TV, the news, and, and the, the chaos, and the fights, and the, the craziness that breaks out over stuff like that. I was watching some report the other day. I don't even know where I saw this. People, two people in the store, I think they were in a Walmart, and they were wearing masks with swastikas on them. And, and I got a fight, of course. My question was, what is your message? What exactly are you trying to convey by that? I don't know. Um, this is what I took away from it, and I'm sorry if this offends anybody, but my takeaway was don't go to Walmart. It just was like, I'm sorry. If something crazy is going to happen, it's going to be, be there. Um, Lamentations is written in the form of an acrostic, which is a poem uh, that each verse begins with the next letter of the alphabet. So it's not in, in, in English, obviously, it's in Hebrew, but if it were in English, it would mean the first line starts with A, the second line starts with B, third line starts with C, and so forth. And it goes all the way through the alphabet. So what this does, uh, realistically, it, Lamentations, is it's an opportunity, it presents an opportunity to express your grief completely. Uh, you can go, I mean, I read a few random verses. You can go A, B, C, D, E, and you go, okay, I'm done. You go, no, all the way, X, Y, Z. You completely walk this thing out and express the grief that you feel. And let's be honest, most of us try to put on a good face, you know, praise the Lord and pass the potatoes. We, we don't express that very well. We don't express discontent. We don't express grief very, very well. But I, what Lamentations says to me is that it's okay to, to express those things and it asks the kind of question, where does it hurt? Where's the pain? Where's the loss? What are you lamenting over today? And I think that's a fair question. For me, I'll be honest, I kind of, you know, throughout at least much of this, I was sort of lamenting basketball. 
I'm a basketball fan. I, that's what I do. I love to watch it on TV. And there was no basketball. But Jesus hears my prayers, and Jesus loves me, and so now there's basketball again. Um, but what, is it family outings maybe or for your kids? It's seeing their friends in the park. I don't know. Uh, but there's a lot of things that we might be possibly lamenting the loss of. We've lost things during this time. Another interesting thing I want to point out about the book of Lamentations is that, and I encourage you to read it or at least skim it, but chapters one through four are all written in first person. They're all I this, me this, my that. Chapter five, there's a, there's a radical shift and, and it goes to, it becomes corporate. All of a sudden in chapter five, everything is we, us. And it's powerful and it's profound. And it's almost as though there's this sudden realization that, hey, I may feel alone, I may feel desperate, I may feel isolated, but we're all in this together. And that was, it's powerful. And I really encourage you to just kind of contemplate and meditate that on that a little bit, regardless of how you might be feeling right now, the understanding that we're all in this together. And then for lament, which is sort of a lament, it's this, this sadness, for that to, to, to move to hope, I want to say it has to become corporate and communal. We can't stay alone in it or we'll never get out of it. When it becomes corporate and communal, it has the possibility then, the opportunity to, to cause us to lift out of that place of lament and into a place of hope. And that's really what I want to see uh, happen for us. But first, take the freedom understand there's a lot of things that we can lament communally. I, I don't know about you, but the top of my list is corporate worship. I mean, I mean, to be quite honest, you know, there's certain things I miss about church and seeing people and all that, but, but worship is the biggest thing. Uh, that, that just corporate worship means a lot. And I, I lament that. I miss that. Corporately going on vacation, traveling, stuff like that. Hugs. I miss hugs. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe you miss birthday parties or, you know, sometimes it's just the, the little things, the normal things. I'm, I miss a lot of times when I'm prepping or I'm studying, I go to Starbucks and do that. And I, I sit in Starbucks and I've got my table in the corner, my coffee and, and my computer open and my books and my papers and I take up some space in there. I love doing that. I miss that. I was wondering, so... Both of the Starbucks that I frequent, one in Wilsonville by my house and one here in Tiger by the church, there's a similar dynamic in both. I don't know if this is true of all Starbucks or just those two, but at both of them, there's typically a group of old guys. They're, they're obviously all retired, and they gather there. There's like six or seven of them, and both places are very similar. And, and, and they, they meet there, and they hang out and talk. And, and the reality is, they spend a lot of time there because it doesn't matter. Sometimes I'll stop in in the morning at like at 8 o'clock to get coffee, and they're there. Sometimes it's later in the day. It's like 10, 1030, and I'm going by to get a, another coffee, and they're still there. Those guys are there hanging out all day. And I'm wondering, what happened to them? Where are they in the midst of this? What are those guys doing? Because that's their life. That's what they do. They hang out and talk to each other at Starbucks all day, and they're not there. Maybe you miss your coworkers. I don't know. 
Missions trips are a big deal. I, 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 most of you know I've worked in Nicaragua for years. I have friends there. I haven't been because of my, my role with Vineyard Missions changed a couple years ago. I haven't been to Nicaragua in a couple years. And we were supposed to go this month, July. We had a trip planned and canceled off. I didn't get to go. It was really hard. Um, I miss live music. I lament live music. I, I love going to concerts. Don and I had tickets for two shows, both scheduled during this time. Boom, off, out, no more. Maybe, you know, for you, it's something else. You know, I, I I'd say I miss I miss watching my grandkids play soccer. I love that. That's not happening. Um, you know what I miss a lot? I tell you, this is the kind of when we're together at church on Sundays. My favorite time of the day. I've shared, shared this before. I love at the end of the service when we dismiss. And the kids come out of the classroom, and all the kids come in the room, and they're running around. I love that, and I miss that. I miss seeing all the kids running around the room. That, those are things that I lament right now, that I'm, I'm sad they're not happening. And here's the thing. Jesus never told us it would be easy. And we have to remember that. What he said is, no matter what happens, I'll be with you. And he said, in fact, I will be with you always. And he's with us in, in, in the midst of this. And so one of the challenges, I, I think a significant challenge of moving from this place, being in this liminal space, this in-between place, and moving from lament to hope, is to make sure that our hope is focused in the right things. I want to read another verse from Lamentations to you that uh, is so powerful. Lamentations 4.17 says, Moreover, our eyes failed, looking in vain for help. From our towers we watched for a nation that could not save us. And the, the reality is that our hope isn't in this world or the things of this world, that this nation can't save us, uh, the institutions of this world can't save us, financial security can't save us, all, all of those things can crash and burn. They can all end permanently tomorrow, and, and that, that's, not the, that's not the end of the story. Jesus, if our hope is in him, he, he will never end. He will never end. Uh, he's with us always uh, to the very end of the age, whatever that looks like. John Mark Comer is pastor of uh, Bridgetown Church here in Portland. He puts it this way. He says, hope is... An absolute expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God. That's good. Based on the pur purpose, the purpose and prom person and promises of God. Um, sorry. <laughs> the, trajectory, the trajectory of our hope has to go beyond uh, the coronavirus. The trajectory of our hope has to look past what's happening right now, beyond the isolation, beyond the loneliness, beyond whatever financial, economic challenges you may be experiencing, beyond unemployment, beyond being home and having parents are going, okay, now I got to homeschool my kids this year. I've never done that before. Our hope has to go beyond all of that. Uh, again, I, and I think I, I want to say this, this is a, po a powerful part of this reality of Lamentations being in the form of an acrostic poem. So it allows us to express the full range of grief. We go from A to Z all the way through, but the reality is there, there is an end. You, you're going to come to Z sooner or later, and there's an end. Uh, it has to end. 
Uh, Eugene Peterson is one of my uh, favorite Christian authors, and in a book called uh, Five Smooth Stones, it's a, it's really a, a book to pastors uh, for pastoral ministry, and and he he says this so powerful. There comes a time when either life ends or suffering ends. The sub- the subjective feeling of endless suffering is in fact false. Life ends or suffering ends. We either go be with Jesus or whatever we're going through will come to, a, to an end. And that's true of this little space that we're in right now. It's going to come to an end. Um, we, we, we can't live in denial and pretend it's not happening. Our, our, our current situation is reality, and the reality is this. It sucks, okay, um, if I can say that. But hope says that we're not going to live here forever. And we, we can find hope even in the midst of lament. There's hope even, even in the midst of our current situation. I want to read one more verse. It's actually three verses together, one more section of, of Lamentations. This is from Lamentations chapter 3. And this is the most profound part to me because, again, right in the middle of Lamentations, Jeremiah says this, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Lamentations 322 to 25. In the middle of exile, Jeremiah says there's hope. So we are in a liminal space. We're in an in-between. Uh, I don't think anyone knows when that will end. And I don't think anyone knows what it's going to look like when it ends. But there's two things that we can have 100% confidence in. And that is this. First, that he is here with us in the midst of this. And two, that he will bring us out of it. So hold fast to that. God bless you guys. I love you. I miss you. Uh, And uh, I pray that we will all be together soon. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you all online next week.